Well, good morning, church. It is good to worship together, isn't it? This is a good time to gather and to sing, to open up His Word, to pray, uh, to have that time when everything that's going on around you just sort of needs to come to a halt and you just need to stop and praise God. It's good to do that. Grades 3 and 4, I think they're heading out right now. Right? Uh, we have been in the midst of a series uh, called Our Family Will. And um, I, I don't know if you've noticed this too. Everything you know is something every week. But I, I don't tell you in advance what we're talking about the following, the next week, right? You see, just sort of show up and like, what is it this week? Our family will what? Our family will what, right? We'll get there, okay? But before we get there, I want you to go on a journey with me, okay? I want you, uh, I know in, in your own life, you've had your own journey. But I want you to open up um, Without opening up your Bible, I want you to open up to what God shows us in an incredible journey that took 2,000 years ago. But I want you to think about, not so much in biblical, but think about if you were there. Because we've all been on wild, long, tedious, challenging journeys, right? Maybe you went on a vacation that went bad. Uh, Maybe uh, you had a road trip that never ended. Maybe instead of going over the river and through the woods, you went through the river and got lost in the woods, right? Maybe you've done that. Um, But I want you to sort of focus in on this story because I want you to imagine this teenage girl, okay? Young teenage girl. She gets surprised with news she thought she would never hear, that she's pregnant. And she is bewildered by all this. She's not even married yet. And what will her fiancé say, especially since she's, you know, he's not the dad, right? So, and she doesn't even know how this happened. But then this angelic being, an angel, appears to this teenage girl and says, you're carrying the Son of God, the Messiah. And you're thinking, is this really happening? Sort of shock and disbelief that this could be true, really? It doesn't make sense. And so you feel a little bit better, but yet you still wonder, right? Well, then the government gives notice that you have to go back to your hometown for a census. And you're thinking, are you crazy? I'm more than eight months pregnant. I'm uncomfortable. And now i got to ride on a donkey for about a week on a 100-mile trip on roads that are treacherous, filled with thieves and robbers and, and winding roads. It's not the safest place to travel on. And I'm going to do this next. Well, you arrive in that town. You finally get there. But once you arrive... There's no place for you to, to check in. There's, there's no hotel. There's no inn that's open. Every room's been booked. No open houses. There's no bed. You're feeling alone. I mean, you have no family there. No friends to help. And, uh-oh, you feel the baby's coming. What do you do, right? You're going to have a baby and now panic sets in. Well, a certain gentleman offers up his barn which is really like a, a cave in the side of a hill. And you grab some hay, and you make the bed the best you can, but it smells in there. Animals, animal droppings, right? And you do the best you can to get comfortable, but the pain of childbirth is starting to overcome all of that, and here comes the baby. Oh, boy. No nurse, no hospital. Nobody there, just a few sheep. Some cattle, 
couple pigeons all watching what's going down. And the Messiah enters the world. No noisemakers, no celebration, no one to share that moment. Just you and your soon-to-be husband and the baby. You hold that baby for a while, but you're exhausted. (laughs) It's been a long trip, and you just gave birth. So you place that baby in a trough, a trough that the animals were just eating out of. No crib, no nursery. This isn't what you planned, does it? And you don't realize within a short time, a bunch of strangers, stranger danger, right? These guys come walking, they smell like sheep. They've been out in the field and they're coming to see you and your baby? This doesn't make sense. Soon after this, you, Joseph, the baby, take off and you get word that the king, there's a king, a horrible king, that has made a decree wants to kill your child. He is so evil that he sets a decree to baby basically do a massacre of any child two years and younger. Any boy two years and younger will be wiped out. Your child's going to grow up and he won't have anybody in his kindergarten class with him. His graduation class will just all be girls. What a journey. What a moment. Church, that was the first Christmas. That was the first Christmas. Can you imagine that journey? Can you imagine that trip? We're in a series called Our Family Will, and today our family will pray for one another and comfort one another. I'm looking back at that journey thinking, wow, Mary and Joseph were on an incredible journey that included all kinds of challenges and pains. Who prayed for them? Who comforted them? They felt they had to feel alone, right? Oh, there was Elizabeth. Mary did meet with Elizabeth before they went on their journey. But that was a moment, a brief moment, right? Let me ask you this. Do you have similar journeys? Do you have similar challenges? Think through some of the things that they went through, and I'll throw in a few extras, but have you had unplanned interruptions in your life? Maybe uh, unplanned pregnancy, maybe unplanned um, tragedy? Relationship challenge? Have you had that moment where you ask yourself, is this really happening? Shock, awe, disbelief, fear, unplanned road trip, anybody? How about a pain, physical discomfort, fear of being robbed, fear of being attacked, fear, 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 anxiety attacks, sleepless nights, no bed to sleep in at all, no family to help, you're on your own, you're lonely, no one to share those special moments with, Hey, today, uh, nobody to share that with. Things don't go as you planned. No nurse, no doctor, no medication. Where do you find your hope? Complete exhaustion. Anybody had any of those journeys lately? Been through some of those? <laughs> Thanks, Rex. We came for a good Christmas message, and you got us all on the downside of the hill, right? Oh, I don't know. It's real stuff, isn't it? I mean, in the past weeks, I have conversations with people, and, and then you see things. You know, you talk to a father who just longs to be with his son, but his son doesn't want anything to do with the father. And then you, you look at his son, and you talk to his son, his son wants everything to do with his father, and his father doesn't want him. And it's like, what's going on? 
why is there such brokenness in, in our homes and in our journeys? And, and the effects of all these things can sometimes spoil the holidays. That's why. You know, we're getting all, you know, geeked up in for the holidays. And matter of fact, some people who were here at the first service like, man, we're so thankful for the first service because now we can actually come to church and make it to a get-together that we're having an hour away. And so we're like, yeah, well, the holidays are here. And some of us are like, oh, the holidays are here. Right? Regardless of what's going on, what season it is, the journey is still always tough. But here's the good news, okay? Here's the good news. So we can all sort of relax, like take the you know, frowny, downy faces off, okay? There's good news. And this journey, amidst everything that's going on, it's really simple. In this pain, in this journey, God is here. It's up on the screen. Just take a second and focus on that truth. In this pain, in this journey, God is here. He is. That is so truthful. Let me ask you this. Do, do you believe in angels? Do you believe in angels? I'm not going to have you raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass anybody. Because I'm hoping that everybody that's here today, you believe that God's word is true. Right? And we know in the Bible there's angels all over the place. Right? So if I were to ask you if you believe in angels, all of you, 100% would say, I believe in angels, absolutely, because I know they're in the Bible. Now, maybe you've never seen one, but we know there are angels. Before Jesus Christ arrived to fulfill his mission, before he ever came, God was present. God sent angels to announce peace and joy. Mary got an angel. Joseph got an angel. Shepherds, oh, they got a multitude of angels. Wise men. I mean, you look at the Christmas story, angel after angel after angel after angel. It was like, this is going to be a long journey for you all. So I'm going to send as many messengers as possible to let you know that I am here with you. It's like God knew what they needed in that moment, right? Turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Third book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. Again, Luke chapter 4. This is a great passage. Jesus is coming back to his hometown because that's what we do at the holidays. We come home. I've seen a few couple uh, college students back, some family visiting. It's always good to have them home, home back for the holidays. And, and here's Jesus. Okay, Luke chapter 4, verse 14 19. Jesus returns to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Read on. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues, was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Now just imagine this. He's come home. Hey, look who's back. Jesus is in town. This is great. He goes to the synagogue like he always did. Never missed that opportunity to worship. After all, he is the son of God, right? Okay. So he's in a synagogue, and he's like, hey, let's have Jesus read today from the scrolls. And Jesus didn't walk in and say, like, let's see, let's go with uh, that one, that one. Okay. He didn't do that. He walked in. They handed him a scroll. What they didn't know was he was going to open up, and he was going to read about himself. It says this, the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, 
that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. It's a great passage, right? It's like, what does this have to do with Christmas? Well, like I said, it's like coming home for the holidays. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, we read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Here's another translation. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus says, I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. Part of my journey, part of my mission is to find you who have been oppressed, you who are poor, you who are brokenhearted and bring healing. Now the word translated here for brokenhearted depicts a person who's been fractured or shattered by life. It's a picture of those who have had uh, maybe continually been split up or fragmented. It's the home's that have tasted divorce and relationship breakups. I've been blessed to not be a part of that. I've not had parents who split up. My parents were married 64 years before my dad passed away. If you were at the uh, wedding maybe uh, recently, you heard me talk about my aunts and uncles on my dad's side, there's eight total kids, all of them married for the most part 50 plus years. There's over 450 years of marriage in my dad's side of the family. I've, I've not experienced personally the effects of divorce. Some of you have. Some of you have had divided families. Some of you have never tasted divorce either, but you know what it means to be divided in your home. People won't talk to each other. There's been shattered emotions in the aftermath of all that spills out and just people are not talking anymore. Right? But Jesus said this, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to the shattered homes, the divided homes, to bring healing. Now there's a word here for heal. It's the Greek word yama, which means to, to set free or to loosen from the harmful effects of a shattered life. When you've tasted division in your home, divorce, broken relationships, it's almost like you're shackled to pain. You're always reminded of the pain that's going on. And Jesus said, I've come to take those shackles off, to loosen you from that pain. I want to heal you from that. I want to set you free from that. And Jesus does that through his spirit. And the Holy Spirit has the power to restore and release us from the captivity of those pains and that brokenness and to set us free. And it's, I don't know if you've, you've tasted those brokenness and the, those painful family emotions that have gone on, but I want to tell you, Jesus can heal you. Jesus can help you in those moments. It may not happen overnight. But by the grace of God and His Spirit working through you, He can help the healing process. He can restore what the enemy meant for destruction. I truly believe the enemy, Satan, wants to destroy the family. Before the baby's ever born, he wants to destroy that baby. He wants to take homes and wreck them. He wants to take marriages and wreck them. Because he knows if he can destroy the family, he'll destroy what starts out in the very book of Genesis from the beginning. I believe that's what the enemy wants to do. But God says, not so. 
not happening. I'm here to heal that. Some families grapple with the after effects of different situations that cause fracture, and many feel the pain and the tears and the brokenness over the years. But here's the thing you can also discover, that over the years you can see God's faithfulness. You can see him trying to intervene, saying, I'm here, I want to help. No matter who may fail you, who may forsake you, who may leave you, who may disappoint you, God has always kept his word, and he says, I'm here. You might feel an emptiness, like somebody's abandoned you. I'm here. Let me help you with the healing process of what you're going through. So there, therefore, as a family, what's important to understand then is because of that journey, because of what's going through us, our family will pray for one another. We need to pray for one another. If, if, you've, if you've experienced a broken home, and you know somebody else sitting next to you that's going through, you know how to pray for them right now. You know somebody that's experiencing pain at home that you went through at one time? You know how to pray for them right now. As a family, we will pray for one another. We will help each other on a journey. We'll pray for healing on this journey. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ezra, Old Testament. So if you're starting at the front of the Bible, go past First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Ezra is right there near the beginning. Book of Ezra. Chapter 8. If you remember the series when we talked about Daniel uh, for a brief time in the book of Daniel, when we were reading uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had been taken and off to Babylon. They were exiles. Well, now they get to return back to Judah, back to their, the capital of Jerusalem. And as everybody's getting ready to come back, Ezra's one of the first that returns. So Ezra writes about his return back, and he's always, he's always so excited. But I, I love how this starts. Ezra chapter 8, let's start in verse 21. There by the Ahaza Canal, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before our God. We prayed that, we would give, that he would give us a safe journey and protect us, our children, and our goods as we traveled. Now, pause there for a second. This is something our family does, okay? I don't know how it started at some point in time in our life, and, and maybe it was after Colin was born. I don't know. I, I really can't remember if Jenny and I did this um, before the boys were born. But anytime now we get in our vehicle to travel to Indiana, anywhere more than an hour or two away, uh, beside, you know, somewhere beyond Toledo, what? We, in our driveway, we stop. Jenny usually says, all right, who's going to pray? We don't leave the driveway till we pray, right? Now, there are times I'm in a hurry, and I'm like, put it in reverse. I'm like, let's go. And I was like, who's going to pray? He's like, I can't. i got to keep my eyes open, you know? Um, but we always pray. Now, I wish I could say, well, after studying Ezra 8, we came up with it. No. As I was reading through this, I love how Ezra was like, hey, we prayed that God would give us a safe journey to protect us. And he gets really specific, too. He goes, and to protect our children. And, and everything, all of our goods that are with us. It wasn't like, and Lord be with us, like we often pray. And Lord be with those who are hurting. Be with the missionaries. You know, all of them, everywhere. We do really good with generalizing. I love how Ezra got really specific here. God, we pray that you protect us as we travel. And our children. And the things we are taking with us. And he goes on to say this, verse 22. For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we told the king 
Our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. (laughs) He's like, God, I'm praying to you right now because, and here's the thing, I told the king, you got this. I was really proud and worshiping you, and so I told king, hey, king, we've got a God that protects everybody, so we don't need your soldiers. Okay, God, we're starting to travel. I would would feel a lot better if we had soldiers, okay? But we don't, so God, protect us, right? Next verse. So we fasted. We earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us as he and he heard our prayer. This was no superficial prayer. It wasn't like a drive-through, pick up a painkiller and keep on driving prayer. This was a, I'm pulling over, I'm stopping, I'm getting on my knees, I am earnestly praying. Matter of fact, we are going to fast. I'm not eating today because during breakfast or lunch or supper or all three, instead of eating, I'm going to pray. As much as I want food, I want God more. So I will pray to him during that fasting period. And that's what Ezra and these people did. They were serious. And he's telling us the same thing. We should pray too. When we are on our journeys of life, just as Ezra was journeying, and not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, when you are going through life and life is tough and that journey is rough, pray. Earnestly pray. If you need to, fast. Fast and prayer go together. But before we pray for our request, we also need to give thanks. Don't just say, hey, God, I need this, need this, need this, need this. There's another way of praying too. Nehemiah chapter 1. So you're in Ezra, just turn like two, three pages. You're in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah was also going to return back to where Ezra was coming to Jerusalem. But Nehemiah was serving with the king. And Nehemiah was like, he got news of what was going on because Ezra and many other prophets and people returned, exiles returned. They started to rebuild their land and they tried to get things right, but it was tough. Things weren't going good. Look at verse 3, chapter 1. And it says this. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been burned. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and I, I prayed to the God of heaven. Could you imagine, let's say, if, if Wazion, Delta, wherever, Pettisville, wherever your hometown is, Fayette, wherever, you move away from home, it's years later, and you find out people returned and that place has been burned down. It's a wreck. They go back to try to fix and they're not being able to rebuild it. They're struggling. And you get news, and it hurts because your home and your hometown is just a pile of rubble. That's how Nehemiah is feeling. He goes on to say this, verse 5. So he prayed. He goes, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him, and obey his commands. Verse 6, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we've sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. Oh, we've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands and laws and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Verse 8, please, please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you sin, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return and obey my commands, even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, which they were, I'll bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. 
We are your servants, the people you rescued by your great power and might. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success now as I go ask the king for a great favor. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. Nehemiah lays out a great pattern for prayer. Jesus did the same thing. But I was hearing Nehemiah and I was reading this and I thought, this is a a great example of how we pray. We start off with that adoration. Oh, great and awesome God, you are so mighty. Like when you woke up this morning, you went outside and you sort of looked at the trees that have been frosted over as dangerous as you thought it might be, the roads or whatever. Didn't you look out and look at those trees and say, wow, God's an incredible artist, isn't he? The way he just takes nature and makes it look beautiful. How awesome is he? That A in the Acts prayer is to adore him. Tell God how awesome he is. You have problems with that? Look through the book of Psalm. All through the book of Psalm. Great way that the various uh, David and other writers in the Psalms talk about how awesome God is. C then is to confess. You repent. I've messed up. I've made a mistake. Forgive me, God. Nehemiah saying, I repent. Our people, we all repent. We've sinned. And he gave thanks. We need to thank God for everything. Thank you, God, for a church. Thank you for inside, for warmth when it's so cold outside. Thank you for clothes, for food, for family. Thank you for your word. Thank you for water. Right? There's so much th- things to be thankful for. If something bad didn't happen to you today, God, thank you that nothing bad happened to me today. Right? We have so much to be thankful for. And then he asked the supplication. What are those requests? What are those needs? And did you hear how specific Nehemiah got? Grant me success now as I go to the king for great favor. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. God, if you would, I want to go talk to the king. If you could just make his heart kind to me. That's all I'm asking. He was very specific in that prayer. Pray. Go to God on bended knee. Talk to him. See, as we take our journey in life, again, thinking back to the beginning here we talked about, we look around and we can see other people who are being challenged in their life. And we know we're sitting there going, man, I've been there, done that. Adults with kids who are grown up, you go out to eat at a restaurant, you look over that table with the young parents, with all the little kids that are running all over and tater tots are flying. You know what I'm talking about? You're sitting there going, Oh, been there, done that. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Praise God. This too shall pass. And it did, right? Okay, after you get done praising God, you know what you do next? God be with them. (laughs) Give them strength. Give them hope. Give them peace. This too shall pass. You've been on a journey. You've experienced things. You can look and see around you others who are going through and you're able to pray for them, Right? You survived. You saw the hand of God upon you. And now you know how to pray for others and love others and reach out to others. When Jamie Power's grandfather passed away, I'll I'll never forget having the conversation with your family. Your grandpa was so much like my dad and his health and everything he went through. And then uh, Bill Norris passing away. His health, the cancer, everything he went through and talking with Bob Friday night, it was like both of those situations knew exactly where they were because I'd been there with my dad. I knew exactly what they were feeling. I'd been on that journey. So I knew exactly how to pray for them because I'd been on that journey. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 
chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians, it's in New Testament. Get past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and First and Second Corinthians are there. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. You know, our first, um, I say our, my family, our first Christmas without my dad was different. It was tough. He passed away uh, almost three years ago with uh, multiple cancer issues. Holidays, anniversaries, uh, birthdays, all challenging it, all challenging and you know what even made more challenging was, soon after my dad passed away, um, my oldest brother lost his mother-in-law, my sister lost her father-in-law, my next older brother lost his father-in-law, my brother closest to me lost his father-in-law. We had like five funerals within a few months. And, and when we got, we sort of knew like, okay, we all lost dad. But then each and every one of us, for the most part, lost another significant family member. So we knew that first Christmas back together. I mean, we're all missing somebody. And we got together, and it, it was different. We all dreaded Christmas because we knew it's going to remind us of the previous year. And we knew we would feel the absence of the ones we loved. And it's like, how do you get through that, right? However, God was there in a mighty way. Remember what I said at the beginning? God is here. He is faithful. Our God is faithful. His grace was simply upon us. He comforted us. He helped us. He helped us move forward. And I'm going to tell you how what, what really helped. I got notes and text messages from people who had lost a parent or family member a year before, two years before, three. They knew what I was going through. So they knew how to pray for me and how to provide comfort for me. And that helped because they were asking God to intervene and bring us comfort. When you look at this verse, I think of that part of my journey. Right away, I went to 2 Corinthians, and I look at this verse. It's like, yeah, that was me. Look at this. It says, all praise, verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. In verse 3, Paul says, God is our merciful Father. This word describes compassion, lament, sorrow. It tells us that God completely understands and identifies with the suffering as well. It's like God says, I know it. I I know that pain that you're going through. And then he provides another one who is going under the same kind of sorrow, the same kind of hardship. You know, it's encouragement in a time of desperate need is what this is. And when these words are used together, the word comfort and the word uh, merciful, when they're used together, it tells us that God himself comes to those who are sorrowful, those who are needing comfort, those who are suffering, whether physical or emotional, God comes. And in verse 4, look at verse 4. It says, He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We'll be able to give them the same comfort God gives us. Now, last week we were reading a verse that Paul talked about. We said joy and affliction often go together when Paul writes. He uses that same word for affliction again, for tribulation. That word tribulation, the word is philipsis. And it depicts, remember that crushing pressure? We said it, it's like a person with their hands tied, they're laid down, and a big boulder's laid on top of them. There's that crushing pressure upon them. Okay, This is that same word. 
So far beyond whatever we could undergo or survive, we're feeling suffering, we're feeling all this just conflict coming upon us. Paul says, but God comforts them in those moments. It's like God comes and removes that boulder and says, I know the suffering. I know the pressure you're feeling right now. Let me remove that. And Paul says, because God of the God of comfort has comforted me, because God has removed that boulder off of me and given me comfort, I now can take that same comfort and comfort others. Through the power of God, through his spirit, I can pray and I can ask God to help somebody who's suffering and say, remove that boulder. Remove that suffering. Help them. Give them comfort. And perhaps there's nothing more powerful than a a personal testimony, right? When somebody gets up in church, like, I remember, and they share a testimony, like, wow, that was powerful. Paul is giving his testimony here, and it's powerful that God sustained him in a very crushing time in his life. He's been comforted by God. God stepped forward, personally sustained, encouraged Paul, and says, I'm doing this for you so you can make it through to the end. So my dad passed away. It was crushing. It was draining. It was painful. However, God stepped forward to personally strengthen our family through that time. And we found peace. We found joy. We found comfort. And as a result, we were able to hopefully provide comfort for others. He's the God of all comfort. He is faithful. Our family will pray for one another. Our family will comfort one another. That's what we'll do, right? Prayer is so vital to our church, to our families. I want to encourage you as a church family, I want to encourage you as a family to say, am I praying for other people? It's easy to pray for ourselves, isn't it? Are we praying for others? Are we bringing comfort to others? There are three verses, I'm going to put them up on the screen. And you might want to look at them, uh, write them down, look at them later. I'm going to read them to you. I'm not going to have you turn to them. I'm just going to go ahead and read them. Because these three verses help me understand why am I going to pray to God and why am I going to let God work through me to comfort others. These three verses are, are really helpful to me. Isaiah 55, 8-9 says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are are far beyond anything else you could imagine. And just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I love this verse. Why? Because God basically says this. You can't figure it out. You're not God. I am. We're just out in the lobby. And then somebody come up to me, little girl. I'm not going to embarrass her, okay? And her mom is like, I've got a question for you. When was God born? What a great question. Scholars have asked that. Kind of people have argued about that and questioned for years, right? We know this about God. He is eternal. He always was, always is. That's so hard to understand, isn't it? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. You're exactly right. We can't figure out an infinite God because we have finite minds. There is no book any author has ever written that's going to provide the most comfort you will ever need or explain God as he should be explained. You know why? Because we have finite minds, and he is an infinite God. His ways, higher than our ways. His thoughts, greater than our thoughts. And because of that, because that is God, we move to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord 
with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. See, because God is bigger than me, because his, high, his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts are greater than my thoughts, because of all that, guess what? I'm going to trust him. I can't figure this one out. I don't understand. God's saying, I know, because you're not me. God, why is this happening to me right now? Why am I going through this journey? Why is this, why am I suffering? Why? And God's saying, I can't provide the full answer for you right now because my ways are higher than yours. My thoughts are greater than yours. You won't understand, but I'm going to ask you to trust me. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust me. In all your ways, seek me. And I'll direct your paths. In Jeremiah 33, 2-3, this is what the Lord says. The Lord who made the earth, who formed it and established it, whose name is the Lord, ask me, I will tell you remarkable secrets you don't know about things to come. I love this. God's like, hey, by the way, I, I made the heavens and the earth. You know me? My ways, my thoughts, bigger than yours, right? Okay. The Lord of all the earth. Got a question? Got a prayer request? Ask me. Isn't it great that our God is so mighty, so big, beyond our understanding? He says, I want you to trust me, but I also want you to ask me. I want you to pray to me. I want you to talk to me. I want you to share what's going on. Ask God for his help. Ask God to help you in your time of need. Pray. Pray to him. And say, God, who can I pray for? Who needs help? Who needs comfort? God, I've been on a journey myself. Who's on a similar journey right now that I can pray for? I've gone through things and somebody provided comfort for me. Who can I go provide comfort for? Feel and express empathy with those who are hurting. Weep with those who are weeping. And rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Some of us have been on some tough journeys, experiences, all kinds of challenge. And guess what? I believe those journeys that you've been on, they have they prepared you. They prepared you for more things to come. They cause you to grow closer to God. They they cause you to grow in your faith. And you know what I also believe? I believe they also cause us to have a greater yearning for heaven. To look forward to that day when we're in the presence of God, in the presence of his holy people, in the presence of those who have died and gone on before us. This earth is nothing but temporary. What is eternal is yet to come. And the struggles that you are facing right now are temporary. The journey you're on right now, temporary. What is yet to come is incredible. And it's like, well, when, when do we go? When is the Lord returning? When is it? I don't know. I just know this. Until I leave this planet, I've got a job to do for him. And so do you. God's not called us to leave yet. And when he does, there's purpose. His ways are greater than our way. His thoughts are greater than thoughts. I don't understand why. I just trust him on this. Worship team, would you come forward, please? Years ago, we took 16 teenagers. This was years ago. This was my youth pastor. Matter of fact, there might be somebody in here that was on this trip. We went out west. We went to the state of Washington. We took this group of teenagers. 
We went to Mount St. Helens. We climbed Mount Rainier. We went um, spelunking, caving. We went to the uh, West Coast, hiked, camped on the beach, saw seals, starfish, uh, Indian Reservation, Olympic National Forest, climbed through lava tubes. It was an incredible trip. We spent days up in the mountains. Um, we got dirty. We got smelly. We had four days. We didn't have showers. Uh, you're wearing the same clothes. There's no toilets out there. You find the shovel and you dig. I mean, you get in the picture here. It's pretty nasty for three, four days, right? And then even then we did find a camp spot. There's only so much limited cleanup and bathroom usage and all that kind of stuff. At the end of those nine days, we were heading back. Half the group was going to go to the hotel and fly. The other group had a trailer with all of our gear in it, and they were driving back. I was part of the hotel crew. Praise God. I look so forward to that hotel. A bathroom, running water, a bathtub, a bed. After nine days of bloody knuckles, jamming them into rock crevices, blisters on the toes from hiking, just, you know, smelly clothes from, you know, it was just, it was so fun. Don't get me wrong. It was incredible the beauty we saw, the scenery that God has made from rainforest to the ocean to the mountaintops. Oh my goodness, it was beautiful, but it was strenuous, it was tiring, it was smelly. But when we got to that hotel, it was so good. It was so good. Bath, bed. I felt like I was in heaven. And then it made me think about this. That's what we're doing right now. This earth is a tent. Heaven is our home. This isn't our home. This is just a tent. And you will have bloody knuckles and blistery toes and smelly bodies and dirty clothes at times on this earth. But there will be a day when we'll be in heaven. And this journey will be done. But while we're on this journey, we will also see great things. Like we saw the mountains, the lava tubes, the starfish. Oh, you're going to have celebrations. And I hope and pray your Christmas is an incredible celebration. But amidst the Christmas celebration, if you're feeling a little brokenhearted, Jesus came to heal you, to help you on this journey. And if you've been comforted by God, guess what you get to do this Christmas? Comfort somebody else. Pray for one another. Comfort one another. This journey's short, but on the journey we need each other. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God of comfort. A God who loves us. Your ways and thoughts are so much greater than ours. We can't even comprehend trying to figure you out. So we'll just stop. We're just going to trust you. We're going to call to you and ask you things which we don't even realize that you want to provide for us. And we look forward to hearing those answers. Because you do want to answer. So God, we're going to pray to you and we're going to, we're going to pray for others. Just pray for Bob and Linda and their family and the passing of Bill. We know it's such a roller coaster of emotions. He's looked forward to the day when he could see Bonnie again and be in your presence. But it's also sad to see somebody you love leave. God, we pray for many who in this church have gone through some physical ailments healing process 
We pray for those in this church that have had some family difficulties, some relational tension. God, there's so much we can pray for for one another. So God, remind us every day who we can pray for in this church. And God, it doesn't even have to be things to pray for. We can praise you too. We can come to you and just thank you for the people in this church. God, thank you for our nursery workers and our children's church teachers, the many volunteers, our greeters. Thank you, God. Thank you for our worship team. I pray for them. God, as we pray for one another, help us to comfort one another too. Help us to reach out, to give the hugs. When we see somebody needs a hug, let's go hug them. Let's comfort them. Let's give them words of hope. A smile maybe is all they needed today. But let's comfort others. We'll do this through your spirit because you're the God that loves us, that is with us, and comforts us. We love you, Lord. We want to sing to you now. In our name we pray. Amen.